How do we use oil? How does it get into our cars? After all, it lies mostly underground. So how do we get it from that state into a state where it is useful for a modern age? This goes in four stages. Exploration, extraction, refining and transportation. The two key stages for the large part of history was the extraction and then the refining. I guess we all know what it means to extract oil, that is, to take it out of the ground. But what is refining? Refining is an industrial process plant where oil or crude oil is transformed into more useful products such as gasoline, diesel fuel, asphalt base, heating oil, kerosene, liquefied petroleum gas, jet fuel and fuel oils. The growth of the petroleum industry since the middle part of the 19th century has led to a huge explosion in energy use. For large parts of human history we have relied merely on water, sail power or wind power and then latterly coal. The reason oil is better than coal is because coal has 9,617 British thermal units per pound on average, while crude oil products has on the same scale 138,384 British thermal units per gallon. That is a massive increase in energy. So this podcast is focusing on the invention of the petroleum industry though we will be focusing on the middle two stages of the process. Exploration and transportation will take a back seat, as they are the least revolutionary aspects of the petroleum industry. The use of petroleum dates back to ancient China more than 2,000 years ago. This oil was used in its raw state without refining in the first century BC. In addition, the Chinese were the first to use petroleum as fuel as early as the 4th century BC. The earliest known oil wells were drilled in China in 347 AD. They had depths of up to about 800 feet, and oil was burned to evaporate brine and to produce salt. By the 10th century, extensive bamboo pipelines connected oil wells with salt springs. The records of China and Japan are said to contain many allusions to the use of natural gas for lighting and heating. During the mid-13th century, in what is now Azerbaijan, in the city of Baku, inhabitants devised methods to collect oil from seeps in the surface, and by the mid-1590s, shallow pits were dug at Baku to facilitate the collecting of oil. The hand-dug holes reached depths of up to 115 feet. The holes dug at Baku were, in essence, primitive oil wells, making Baku the first true oil field. In 1745, under the Empress Elizabeth of Russia, the first oil wells and refineries were built in Yucatan through the process of distillation of a kerosene-like substance which was used in oil lamps by Russian churches and monasteries. But it was in the 19th century where oil's importance to the world economy involved 
and then became a revolution. At the start of the 19th century, whale oil was mostly used for lighting and wood and coal for heating and cooking. If you've read Moby Dick, you'll know there is quite a lot of talk about the use of whale oil. But of course, the use of whales, purely for their oil, was not sustainable. With the dawn of the Industrial Revolution, there was a massive increase in the need for energy. This took until the second Industrial Revolution of the 1850s and 60s for oil to start being used. And indeed, energy often goes in cyclical cycles. In the first Industrial Revolution, we got coal. In the second, we got oil. And then in the third Industrial Revolution, we got things like nuclear power. As we approached the fourth Industrial Revolution, it seemed like geothermal and smaller, more portable nuclear reactors will start to be used. But the modern history of petroleum began in the middle of the 19th century with the refining of paraffin from crude oil. Scottish chemist James Young in 1847 noticed a natural petroleum seepage in the Ridings Colliery at Alfreton, Derbyshire, from which he distilled a light, thin oil suitable for use as lamp oil. In 1848, Young set up a small business refining crude oil, which was largely successful, but the supply of oil from the coal mine soon began to fail. Edwin Drake's 1859 well near Titusville, Pennsylvania, was not the first oil well, but it is often thought as the first well because it drilled, not dug, and used a steam engine. There was also a company associated with the oil well, and it was the oil well that sparked a major boom. In 1875, crude oil was discovered by David Beatty at his home in Warren, Pennsylvania. This led to the opening of the Bradford oil field, which, by the 1880s, produced 77% of the global oil supply. But by the end of the 19th century, the Russian Empire had taken the lead in production. Samuel Keir developed the first oil refinery in America, in Pittsburgh, in 1853. In addition to the activity in West Virginia and Pennsylvania, an important early oil well in North America was Oil Springs, Ontario, Canada, in 1858, dug by James Miller Williams. The discovery at Oil Springs touched off an oil boom, which brought hundreds of speculators and workers to the area. New oil fields were discovered throughout the late 19th century, and the area developed into a large petrochemical hub. The oil industry grew through the 1800s, driven by the demand for kerosene and oil lamps. However, it soon became a major national security concern in the early part of the 20th century, with the introduction of the internal combustion engine providing a demand that has largely sustained to this very day. Early local finds, like those in Pennsylvania and Ontario, were quickly outpaced by demand leading to oil booms in Ohio, Texas, Oklahoma and California. The boom in oil production in the United States can be borne out by simple statistics. In 1859, there was only 2,000 barrels of oil being produced. 
1869, this had increased exponentially to 4 million barrels of oil. In 1879, this was nearly 20 million. 35 million by 1889 and 57 million by 1899. And by 1906, it had reached the billion mark at 1,236 million barrels of oil produced in the United States alone. The boom wasn't just located in America, even if many of the earliest developments were. The British Empire covered a quarter of the globe, yada yada yada, and had almost every resource at its disposal. Everything except oil. The British Empire had traditionally been driven by things Britons wanted but did not have. The 18th century British Empire was driven by the slave trade and cotton trade, the 19th century by tea and opium, and in the early 20th century it was driven by the search for oil. Lord Curzon had famously observed that the Allied powers of World War I had, quote, floated to victory upon a wave of oil, close quotes. The main problem of this new material of oil was that most of it was located in the United States. For imperialists like Lord Curzon and Winston Churchill, the discovery of oil in the British Empire was key for national security, especially as in 1913, Churchill, as first Lord of the Admiralty, had dropped the use of coal-fired steamships and had adopted oil for fuel in its ships instead. It was in this spirit of trying to maintain the prestige and power of the British Empire that the British sought to control Iraq's oil. Now, where have we heard that one before? This move led Britain coming into conflicts with the interests of the United States. The Iraq Petroleum Company was the company that would control Iraqi oil. The Americans acquired 25% of the company, with the Anglo-Persian Oil Company, later to be renamed BP, controlling another 25%. But there is a long history of the British Empire at the turn of the 20th century, suddenly going out of its way of trying to find oil in much of Asia. World War I irrevocably changed the role of petroleum in the world. When the war began, military planning focused on the horse as the primary mode of transportation. It assumed that one horse was needed for every three soldiers, which provided a logistical problem since the horses required ten times as much food. When Britain entered the war, it had only about 800 motor vehicles, most of which were requisitioned from private citizens. By the end of the war, Britain had 56,000 trucks and 36,000 cars. In addition, the United States shipped 50,000 vehicles to Europe in one and a half years and built 15,000 planes. Motorised transportation began to change the nature of war. The development of the aeroplane and the tank, which was first used at the Battle of the Somme in 1917, as we saw in a previous episode, provided both mobility and power that was unprecedented in the history of warfare. The clear impact of oil in the military was known by the Second World War. The British and later the Americans conducted an oil campaign during the war aiming to cripple the supply of German oil by targeting the main 
Axis oil fields. This had a great impact on Germany, with several prominent Nazis describing the oil campaign as critical to the defeat of Nazi Germany. Hermann Göring described it as, quote, the utmost in deadliness, close quotes. Albert Speer, writing in his memoir, said that, quote, it meant the end of German armament production, close quotes. Luftwaffe Field Marshal Erhard Milch, referring to the consequences of the oil campaign, claimed that, quote, the British left us with deep and bleeding wounds, but the Americans stabbed us in the heart, close quotes. Until the 1940s, the United States was the world's leader in oil production, producing 65% of the world's oil. In 1940, the Middle East accounted for less than 5% of total production. This changed dramatically with the discovery of supergiant oil fields in Kuwait and Saudi Arabia in the 1930s and 1940s. Throughout the world, a growing reliance on Middle Eastern oil became a serious concern. This was due to the oil shocks of the 1970s. The first shock occurred in 1973, after Egypt and Syria attacked Israel. The US had sent arms to Israel, and the Middle Eastern countries responded by imposing oil embargoes on the United States, which led to long lines of petrol stations. The US subsequently launched a national effort to reduce dependence on Middle Eastern oil through Project Independence, a 10-year plan to build 150 coal-fired power plants and 200 nuclear plants. The second oil shock occurred during 1978 to 1979 after the fall of Iran. Panic buying drove up prices and depleted supplies resulting again in long lines at petrol stations. However, the oil shocks were soon replaced by an oil glut during the 1980s and the return of cheap oil, meaning that new initiatives like the development of synthetic fuels and alternative energies have largely been abandoned even to this day, as they were too expensive to compete against cheap petrol. Oil has long been of geopolitical importance. And if this podcast was twice the length, we could have gone into long depths about how much nations have gone to to acquire this black gold. From the machinations of the French and British trying after the First World War to draw lines around all the nice new oil fields they've just found, and calling these new territories nation-states, to Americans and the Chinese in more modern times. Oil is a byproduct of a fascination and brutal study into the evils of imperialism. Oil is so important that even autocratic and awful countries like Saudi Arabia can come under no pressure from the international community because they have something so much more valuable than simple human rights. They have oil. Today, around 90% of vehicular fuel is met by oil. Petroleum makes up 40% of total energy consumption in the United States. About 80% of the world's readily accessible reserves are now located in the Middle East, with 62.5% coming from the main Arab Five, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Iraq, Qatar and Kuwait. Fears that oil was coming to an end in recent years 
due to high prices and dwindling amounts, have been put to rest by the process of hydraulic fracturing, or fracking, whereupon you drill down into the earth before a high-pressure water mixture is directed at the rocks to release the gas inside. Water, sand and chemicals are injected into the rock at high pressure to allow the gas to flow out to the head of the well. The benefit on a large scale of fracking is the reduction in the need to prop up regimes in authoritarian countries such as Saudi Arabia and Qatar. The drawback is that it props up an industry which has done terrible damage in both environmental and geopolitical terms. However, why is oil on my list if it's done this much damage? Well, the answer lies in how much it has changed the world. In 1820, the United States was forced to import additional whale oil, as it was using so much. It has been estimated that 236,000 whales were killed by American whalers in the 19th century alone. The price of whale oil reached a maximum just before the American Civil War in 1856 at $3.84 a gallon. That's about $3,400 per whale, or about $85,000 adjusting for inflation to $2,010. And then, in 1859, the year the first oil well was drilled, French engineer J.J. Etienne Lenore made the world's first dependable internal combustion engine, which was powered by petroleum. But 80 years would pass before the interdependency of oil and auto industries would become clear. That early period from 1860 to 1900 was marked by many technological innovations as inventors sought to tap the potential of the internal combustion engine and petroleum pioneers got better at producing, refining and delivering oil products. The ease of use of oil as an energy source was a reason why parts of the 20th century could be called the people's century. The cheap and easy use of power meant that it could power an internal combustion engine, something small and powerful and lead to the growth of individualism most highlighted by the American use of a car, which became a symbol of Americana. This was all down to the use of oil. It is the single biggest source of primary energy and accounts for about one third of all energy used by humans. The technological era would not be here without energy, and specifically oil. If you think about how much progress there has been across the 20th century in living standards, the growth in capital, the growth in food supplies, and globalisation, this can all be traced back to the use of oil. Our world would almost grind to a halt without it. Factories would stop running, so would cars. Aeroplanes would be grounded. Tractors on the farm would splutter to a standstill and rust. Oil has made the world far better. They are used in pharmaceuticals and as fertiliser. As Mona Heimel states, quote, the medical successes of the last century have meant a dramatic increase in the human lifespan. Likewise, global use of pesticides has resulted in unprecedented agricultural production. Human productivity has grown 100-fold since commercial energy use began. 
People can travel to all parts of the world with ease and comfort. Oil provides worldwide transportation, heating, cooling, electricity, clothing, communication, crops and more. Through oil's energy, the world is no longer a hodgepodge of isolated nation-states. Globalisation of trade and commerce would not flourish without the accomplishments of oil. Close quotes. To conclude, oil is now viewed as an awful fossil fuels, polluting the atmosphere while major oil corporations impede progress by stopping things like electric cars and lobbying against climate change legislation. Oil as a geopolitical instrument is nothing new. Before OPEC and other oil-producing nations were using it as a method of producing huge monetary reserves and using the threat of cutting oil supplies in diplomacy. That's to say nothing of imperialist powers stealing oil from beneath people's feet. But oil is far more than black gold. It's far more valuable than that. Oil refining and drilling has truly changed the world we live in, enabling the internal combustion engine to thrive and the inventions of the motor car and the aeroplane, leading to the connection of countries and enabling globalisation that we live and sometimes bask in. Without oil refining and drilling of these products, the world we live in would not be possible. And for all these reasons, oil drilling and refining is listed in number 88 on my list of the greatest inventions of all time.